now, a closer look. A sleepy morning, we're out in the boondocks. Stars being told on the red. if we could all just wake up every day feeling happy. Today's segment is titled Maintaining One's Health, Laughing Matters. Once every decade, there's a report published by the United States Department of Health and Human Services, which issues nationwide health promotion and disease prevention goals as part of the Healthy People Program. I took a look at their 2020 Healthy People Program, and what I found were some eye-opening statistics about chronic diseases, stating that one or more of the following six are leading causes of death and disability in the United States. Cardiovascular disease, arthritis, diabetes, asthma, cancer, and chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, acronym COPD with this later one usually caused by smoking. These chronic diseases cause 7 out of 10 deaths each year, and if you look at the top three, which are heart disease, cancer, and stroke alone, these cause more than 50% of all deaths each year. In 2008, 107 million Americans, which is almost one out of every two adults age 18 or older, had reported suffering from a chronic disease. For decades, these Healthy People programs have been promoting that chronic diseases are preventable. Of course, this always requires some changes in one's behavior. The easiest form to create change is, believe it or not, laughing. Over the past decade, more and more speed has been gained, not only in the psychological benefits of laughter, but also in the physical benefits of laughter especially for chronic diseases. To laugh is the most basic vocabulary of every language. Laughter is usually a social activity, and it definitely can be contagious. 
However, laughter isn't always just about humor because we, in fact, laugh at the sound of laughter itself. So if you're interested in maintaining your health, shouldn't laughter therapy be worth a try? <laughs> In recent years, the benefits of laughter therapy have become widespread, especially when dealing with chronic diseases. Here to talk with us from Los Angeles, California, is the founder of both the Laughter Online University and the All-American Laughter Conference. On the phone, I have Sebastian Gendre, as they say in France, who is the executive producer of the 2015 All-American Laughter Conference, which will be held in Portland, Oregon. Sebastian, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. Good morning. Welcome, Germany. You are many things, but of those things, you're a master laughter trainer. You're the founder of Laughter Wellness, and you're executive producer of the All-American Laughter Conference. How did you get into the business of laughter? My story is that of many people. I was in the corporate world, more specifically. I spent the first 10 years of my professional life trying to become someone I was not. My father and all of the men in, in my family were workaholic. And so I grew up thinking being a workaholic is what being a man means. And I tried that for 10 years and it didn't really work for me. I spent seven years in England running my own business. And I came to a point where I started to see myself die in body, mind, and spirit, because I was just working too much. I would work 50, 60, 70 hours routinely for seven years. And I decided that I would not die the richest man in my cemetery. So I just quit, sold my shares, and then moved on. In the transition period, I pursued activities closer to my heart. And while I was happier, I felt happier, I didn't laugh much. And that's when one day, about three years later, I came across an article. Very randomly, I had the intuition to pick up a magazine, which I opened at random, and there was an article on the emerging Indian movement of laughter clubs. And it was as if my heart knew something my mind couldn't get. So I did some research online, and I emailed everybody I could find in Europe, North America, Asia Pacific, asking them the same questions. This is ridiculous. It sounds crazy. You talk to me. What is this? And the reply was, yes, you're right. This is different, but it has rock-solid foundations. So I got on a plane, and I went to India, and that's how my journey started. It hasn't changed my life. It's far better. It's been 10 years now. It's changed me. In these 10 years, you are traveling all around the world, giving trainings. You're doing corporate laughter wellness programs, workplace wellness programs, well-being programs. It sounds to me like you've made laughter a pretty serious business. Laughter is an untapped science. And in a world that's dying of stress and poor health habits, it is a valid solution for the 21st century and beyond. I am not extremely familiar with the social issues of Germany, but over here we have mass stress is a silent killer. 
And when you see people dying of unnecessary issues, and when you see that there is this very simple modality, laughter, we are going to have to redefine what laughter is because this is misleading. And referring to a very specific approach to laughter where you sustain the practice. And it works. It has been extremely inspiring. Now, many of the people I've met have healed and have gone through near-miraculous recovery. I don't want to focus on that because some did die as well. It is about not adding years to your life, but life to your years, changing your experience, and also, of course, strengthening your immune system. I've had extremely powerful experiences that just keep me going. Helping others is very addictive. Sounds like a pretty good addiction to have. If I mean, if you gave me <laughs> a choice of things to be addicted to, I think I would probably pick laughter. There are five main categories of laughter. I won't go through them all. The one mostly known is spontaneous laughter. So you hear a joke, you're happy, and for whatever reason, you start to laugh. That is good, but it's not enough for the kind of benefit okay. I'm referring so, to, because it's uh, too short. So here I'm referring to voluntary simulated laughter, where you disconnect the reason from the consequence. In other words, you choose to laugh. It doesn't have to make sense. It is irrational. It is illogical. It's a choice. And because it's a choice, then it becomes a physical activity. And how you feel doesn't matter. The thing, though, is that it has a very big impact on your chemistry. You are going to have, very quickly, the question is going to pop into your head, which do I want? Because if you are sad, in pain, and have any kind of negative feeling in your head, and you start to laugh, the chemistry you are going to create is going to force the thoughts out. You will ask yourself, which do I want? Do I want to feel sad, or am I willing to have a different experience? This is about creating, at the base, a pool of attraction for a different way of being. Because while it may not change your life, it will give you the experience that it can change your life if you want to. But do you want to? So you've been collecting lots of material on laughter in the last 10 years. A massive amount of material. And in that process, it has such a big impact as a therapeutic approach on the body, mind, and spirit that quickly, within a few years, I got lost. I had notes everywhere, and it was stressing. You know, I was stressed in the laughter. You don't want that. That's what you were getting away from. I am enthusiastic. I am passionate. But I saw and I still see value for the human race, for the greater community. And so I didn't know what to do with it. So that's how the Laughter Online University was born, as a need for my own self to organize all of those techniques that have a big impact on health. So the acronym that you use is LOU, L-O-U, Laughter Online University. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about this distance learning platform? So LOU, the Laughter Online University, is a university in a sense that it has a massive amount of content that offers a structured, reliable, sustainable approach to therapeutic laughter. It's a multi-aspect to it. You have a number of tools, interactive database, lessons where you have some text, some interactive material, some engagement with your peers, with your mentors. It's a full-blown learning system where you can learn in a very solid fashion the art of laughter as a form of therapy. And that's www.laughteronlineuniversity.com? Correct. Now, I would invite your listeners out of curiosity to visit that website because it has a lot of free resources. And the science of laughter is explained there with supporting evidence.
You've been in this business a long time. What's your funniest story about laughter therapy? Her name was Angela. Angela came to me in 2007. She had severe high blood pressure and was on the waiting list for a heart operation. And within six months, she was off the medication on her doctor's advice, and the doctor was in my classes to check me out. Long story short, she died five years later, a transformed woman. And then she asked me to lead a laughter program at her funeral. So fifty of us, she was dead in a coffin behind us, and we were laughing our heads off because she asked to. And the thing is, she had a wish, and her wish was to put her ashes into that uh, sketch, how do you call that thing? Etch a sketch. uh, So that she could, (laughs) and she wanted to give me one, you know, so that you could play with her ashes and make funny face, funny thing, but they turned her down. (laughs) Okay. Do you have any final comments for our listeners, some final thoughts about why one should start incorporating laughter into their daily diet? Yes, I do. You don't know what you're missing. (laughs) (laughs) There are very simple steps you can take, starting with a smile. Start by being a smile millionaire. Smiling is the highest form of laughter, the Buddha smile, being in the world, not of the world. Choose to smile. Start with that and explore. Do you know what Woody Allen said about laughter? No, what did he say? He said, I'm thankful for laughter, except when the milk comes out of my nose. (laughs) And that's Woody Allen for you. (laughs) (laughs) Sebastian, I thank you so kindly for taking time to speak with us and our listeners, and I wish you a very pleasant and laughterful day. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Dan. Take Thank care. you. Merci. <laughs> some people laugh through their noses, sounding something like this. <laughs> Dreadful. Some people laugh through their teeth, goodness sakes, hissing and fizzing like snakes. Not at all attractive to my way of thinking. Some laugh too fast. <laughs> Some only blast. Ah! Others they twitter like birds. <laughs> you know you're as bad as he is. Then there's a guy what can't make up their mind. <laughs> We love to laugh <laughs> Loud and long and clear We love to laugh <laughs> So everybody can Humor can be and often is reason for us to laugh because basically real deep humor is an attitude towards laughter about oneself. But let's get the scoop straight from the source of a leading neurohumorist. On the phone, I have a distinguished registered nurse who turned author and is a neurohumorologist from San Diego, California, Karen Buxman. Are you on the phone there, Karen? I am. I'm right here, ready to rock and roll. (laughs) How are you today? If I was any better, Dan, I'd be you. (laughs) Well... On that note, how long have you been an RN, a registered nurse? Well, I started as a child. So it's been, oh gosh, over 25 years now. But I segued from nursing. I was in graduate school while I was teaching a nursing class at a college, 
and had to do research in a thesis. And I did my research at the time, that was back in the late 80s, on the relationship between humor and health. And that was the springboard for launching me into this whole field of psychoneuroimmunology, which is basically mind-body connection. And back in those days, little had been done in the U.S. other than Norman Cousins had written a well-known book called Anatomy of an Illness, but not a lot of research was being done back then. So people started asking me to share my findings. My first presentation was meant to be a serious presentation, a research academic presentation, and I discovered that people thought I was funny. <laughs> I was like, who oh, no. So I started getting so many requests to speak that I gave up my teaching position thought I'll try this for a year. If it doesn't work, I'll go back. And 20 years later, it's just getting better and better. You're referred to as practicing the art of neurohumor. Is that correct? Correct. I coined that term because in the last five years, what I've discovered is that the brain really is the focus point for humor, whether it's the fact that it's the wit, the intellectual component of humor, which comes from the prefrontal cortex and how we look at something and is it congruent or incongruent, is it surprise, is it delight, is it relief from pain, whether it's the emotional component, which is mirth, which also comes from the brain, the amygdala, the emotional part, or is it the expression of laughter, which is physical expression of humor. And through that, then our body, because of the mind-body connection, we laugh and that signals the brain to release hormones, to release certain proteins, to relax muscles. And this is why we experience positive effects in every single body system. And so it's a very exciting field. I think that we're really just on the forefront of what we're learning. Just even this past year, research that came forth, Dr. Lee Burke, whom I think you are familiar with, did some research along with Berinder Baines and some other scientists and studied the effect of humor on gamma waves of the brain. The bottom line is the brain is very, very involved in humor. And so from a holistic perspective, I like to look at the intersection of humor and the brain. That's why I call myself a neuro humorist. Is that why you chose the title of, you've got about a half a dozen books out now, and they're all a series of What's So Funny About, and you've got titles like What's So Funny About Nursing, What's So Funny About Heart Disease, What's So Funny About Diabetes. So your take is that humor can actually be, if not the best medicine, a complementary medicine? Absolutely. The research is growing and growing and growing. 30, 40 years ago, it was primarily anecdotal, but now scientists are able to quantify. For instance, the reason I was inspired to write the book on diabetes was because there were so many benefits for people with diabetes or prediabetes. The effect of humor and laughter on blood glucose, that it drops it. The effect on their cholesterol, that it decreases bad cholesterol, increases good cholesterol that it positively affects hormones. And so what we found with studies, there was a couple of studies from Japan that showed people who purposefully and intentionally watched humor every day for 30 minutes were able to reap tremendous benefits. Same thing with heart disease. Dr. Michael Miller found that people who purposefully and intentionally use humor experienced not only the effects that I mentioned on cholesterol and HDL and LDL, but he found even at a, a microvascular level on the inside of our blood vessels, 
people who practice humor, their blood vessels become more elastic on the inside. It means that they're stretchier, that your blood pressure is more regulated, that you don't suffer high blood pressure as much. Cortisol is decreased. Cortisol is a component that's released under chronic stress, which causes inflammation. This is one of the reasons why our body, in attempts to soothe that inflammation, lays down plaque within our vascular system. So these are the amazing, wonderful things that people have no idea. They just know that when they laugh, it feels good, and they don't realize what a powerful, powerful tool they have. Dr. Lee Burke once said, if we took what we know about laughter and bottled it, it would require FDA approval. And that's something here in the States that is very, very hard to get. They control the drugs very tightly. But humor is as powerful as many of the drugs that are regulated in our country. Well, you've convinced me. And <laughs> I, I want to laugh. Okay. Alrighty. And I went to your website and you published an electronic bulletin called Levity Works. And in that, I saw that you have a clip from the German Coast Guard, which was actually a little commercial done by Berlitz. Would you mind if I shared that now with our listening audience? Please do. It was on YouTube. It's public usage, and I would love to give your audience a laugh. Okay, so here we go. Das hier ist das wichtigste Gerät des Küstenwächters. Das Gerät und das Gerät. Überlebensradar. Mayday, Mayday. Hello, can you hear us? Can you hear us? Can you... Over. We are sinking. We are sinking. Hello? This is the German Coast Guard. We are sinking. We're sinking. What are you thinking about? What are you thinking about? We're sinking. We're sinking. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little difference between sinking and thinking. <laughs> so can you share with our listeners, what's your funniest story that you can tell about either a magical healing that you've experienced through humor or just one of your funniest stories from one of your workshops or your trainings? One of the stories that I remember, it wasn't so much a funny story, but that I think was a great example of what can happen, was a woman who came up after one of the presentations, and she said, I suffer from chronic pain. I'm usually confined to a wheelchair or walking with a cane. She attended a full-day workshop that we did on humor, and she came up afterwards and she said, I forgot to take my medicines, but I'm totally pain-free right now. That's an example of the benefits. A funny story someone shared with me after one of my presentations. We were talking about how children just love humor. They have joy and delight and how they benefit through creativity, which is something that we lose as adults. And she was commenting that she had been going through her daughter's book bag, found a homework assignment, and the teacher had taken one of the math problems and circled it with a red pen and put a bunch of question marks to the side. She said the math problem went like this. There's 32 students in the classroom. 17 of them are boys. How many of them are girls? Her daughter's answer was, the rest of them. <laughs> <laughs> 
And that was a wonderful example of her creativity. But the fact that we don't necessarily get reinforced for our witty and creative answers. But for those people who are in the workplace, oftentimes having to work in situations where their budgets keep getting cut back, they have to be more and more creative about how they're going to continue to be productive. One of the other benefits of the brain is the increase in creativity. When we laugh, both hemispheres of the brain light up, and it shows that there's an increased activity in both hemispheres, which results in increased alertness, increase in memory, and increase in creativity. So who wouldn't want more of that, right? (laughs) Absolutely. I've read that you've said that humor and laughter really are beneficial physically, psychologically, socially, and even spiritually. Correct. So what's the downside of laughter? What's the downside? There's a place and a time. And I do, (laughs) in my workshops, I do teach people about that because if you're sitting, and this has happened to people, you're sitting in a funeral and somebody buys something that, that causes them to start to laugh or they get nervous and they start to laugh, you know, to burst out laughing in the midst of something like a funeral probably going to get you a lot of glares and negative comments. The other thing I think that's important to realize is that when we use humor positively, which is what I'm all about and the organization that I'm past president of, the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor, we're about humor that uplifts, that makes people feel part of a group, that builds people up. So humor can be used as a tool. The downside, it can also be used as a weapon. Unfortunately, we saw that all too well just recently with the shootings and all that went on in Paris. Something as simple as a cartoon caused people to react just as violently as if someone had shot off a gun. So humor can be a tool which can be used constructively. It can also be a weapon to put people down. It can be used to bully. It can be used to hurt people. And so that's not the kind of humor that we wish to promote. Mark Twain, my favorite writer, uh, once said, the human race has only one really effective weapon, and that is laughter. You don't know this about me, but I grew up in Mark Twain's boyhood hometown of Hannibal, Missouri. I was raised there, and so I love Mark Twain. And at this point in my life, I love his saying that wrinkles should merely indicate where smiles have been. (laughs) So I'm glad that we're both Mark Twain fans. You have any final words of wisdom? I think the most important thing for people to take away from this is that there are way, way, way too many benefits of humor to let it happen by chance. You have to make it happen by choice. What kinds of things can you do? How can you manipulate your environment? How can you manipulate your mindset to increase the likelihood of humor happening on a regular basis? Because if you do, it's going to take the quality of your personal and your professional and your family, even your spiritual life, up a whole nother notch. So not by chance, but by choice. So changing our perception can actually change things so we can see things in a funny light. Absolutely. And it's not about being funny. It's about seeing funny. I love helping people to practice that because going full circle back to the brain, neurons that fire together, wire together. And if we can start creating a humor habit, then your brain neurons are going to wire together. It's going to become more second nature for you. 
and it's going to come easily to you. And then again, you're going to reap more benefits. Well, Karen, I thank you ever so kindly for taking the time to speak with us and our listeners. And I wish you a, a wonderful day. You as well. And I hope that we cross paths again. Let me know if I can be a resource for you in the future. Thank you, Karen. Have a great day. All right. Keep smiling. Take care. Bye-bye. I'm walking on sunshine. I'm walking on sunshine. I'm walking on sunshine. Who would have known that here in Munich one can find a laughing club every Sunday which meets in West Park? On the phone, I have Cornelia Leisch, the chairperson for the European Association for Professional Laughter Yoga Trainers here in Munich, Germany. Hello, Cornelia. How are you? Fine, thank you. Have you always been in the laughter business? Not always, because the laughter business is a very young business. I started in 2005. I came back to Germany from the Dominican Republic, where I lived for 12 years. And coming back to Germany with two kids, being alone and having to do everything alone brought a big crisis for me. And I was looking for something that could help me to find joy again in my life. And I heard about a laughter club in Munich. And I went there and it was so incredibly funny and different from everything that I knew before that I had to go there every week again. I was alone and I had no contacts and I had only worries and duties to do. And there was a space where I could relax where I forgot all about the worries and things that I had to do, and I felt so good, so fine. That made me happy within 30 minutes. And this was every Sunday? Yes, the gathering of the club is every Sunday. So I went there, and I felt better and better. I made new friends, and my life changed. How did you get involved in doing laughter as a business? The leader asked me if I'm interested to help leading the group. And so I said, well, I don't know about it, but this sounds interesting. And so I started to learn about laughter training and I made some courses. And so I became a laughter trainer. And after 10 months, the former leader of the club retired. And I said, I don't want this club to die. I need the training. I need the people. And I want to go on with that. So I took over the club and now I'm leading it for 10 years. And at the beginning, there were very few people, but now they're coming up to 50 people on the Sundays. And it's a big group and we have a lot of fun and connection between the people. And so this same Sunday Laughter Club is now something that you actually do as a livelihood? Yes. This was something I developed with the time that there is a need for people to do something more than only once a week, this gathering in the park. So there are workshops, half-day workshops or a weekend. So you can relax totally. You can lie on the floor and laugh. And it's like a meditation, but it's an active meditation and you forget about everything. Your head is free of thoughts and you're in a space of emotional freedom and stillness and peace. Most of our listeners probably have not experienced this laughter yoga. So can you quickly paint a picture with words on what a typical corporate training is like? 
What do you do? We smile at the beginning. We make a greeting. We shake hands and we laugh. And this is strange for most of the people because we shake hands and we smile a little bit, but we don't laugh. But as an exercise, we do that and the people start to laugh and to feel good because it's funny. It works. It works always. I explain a little bit of the theory of the change of chemistry in the body, of the release of endorphins instead of the adrenaline, mm -hmm. the stress hormones. And we do a lot of breathing. What's the most heartwarming story that you can recall about all your trainings? Well, one funny thing is that a lot of people know about me. They know about the Sundays in the park, but they don't dare to participate. And a lot of people come after years and join the group and do a laughter session. And then they said, it's incredibly different to do it than to watch it. Do you have a sign or something that say that it's a free training, please join in or something like that? Yes, Maybe yes you have a sign that says laughter yoga for everybody every Sunday from 11 to 12 in the West Park. It's every Sunday in the West Park. Where in the West Park? Is it like near the Rose Garden or something? Yes, like? at the side of the Rose Garden. So our listeners can just drop by. and Yes, they are invited to come and to join and not only to look, but to come and laugh with us. I thank you for taking the time, for sharing with us, Cornelia, and we wish you an absolutely laughterful day. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure for me. Thank you. What if, what if there is something behind the ideas that laughter is really the best medicine? What if laughter therapy can actually be a catalyst for maintaining one's health, promoting health, and possibly reverse chronic disease? <laughs> Shouldn't we give it a try? Is for sure. When we laugh, we feel better. This effect of feeling better is instantaneous. It's as if somehow the weight of whatever problems were resting on our shoulders is suspended while we are engaged in the act of laughter. Some even say that regular bouts of laughing can extend one's life expectancy. Could it be that the act of making oneself feel good is actually a type of self-fulfilling prophecy? After all, about two and a half thousand years ago, Democritus, who is commonly referred to as the father of modern medicine, stated that the supreme goal of life is contentment or cheerfulness. So go ahead, laugh. <laughs> I dare you. It appears that you've got nothing to lose and your complete health to gain. On behalf of the folks here at Radio Laura, when all else fails, 
try laughing to feel good. Ha 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 